The Hispanic community is the nation's largest racial and ethnic minority. It's time health research included your voice. That's why the All of Us research program exists. If you participate in All of Us, not only would you help your community, you can also receive your free genetic ancestry trait results. With this information and more, researchers may be able to conduct a variety of studies about health and diseases that affect the Hispanic community. Visit joinallofus.org slash your health to contribute. Again, joinallofus.org slash your health. Daphne, did you know I was a model? I actually think I know this story, but please do tell me again. Well... It was from the ages of two till six. Wasn't, I wasn't very successful, unfortunately. Maybe our guest today could give me a hand with kickstarting my modelling career again. I think she is the perfect person to help you out. <laughs> Why don't you tell us who she is? Our guest today is the amazing model, author, activist and actress, Lyris Cross. Lyris was actually the first plus model on Project Runway in season 14 and since then she's just been making waves for plus women and women of colour in the modelling industry. She's really such a phenomenal woman. I'm so excited to speak to her as well about her book which is called Make the World Your Runway. And I just think it's such a cool idea, it's all about confidence and I'm just really excited for her. Maybe I should have brushed my hair for this. Anyway... Bring her in. To get started, could you share with our listeners a bit more about you, um, your career, and what you do? Well, hello to the Getting Personal podcast family. My name is Lyris Cross, and I am a pioneer in the plus modeling world. I am an actress, a motivational speaker as well as a author of my very first book called Make the World Your Runway, Top Model Secrets for Everyday Confidence and Success, available on Amazon. And We will uh, link it in the um, description so people can go and get it. Awesome. And I'm just a lover of life. I'm a lover of people. Uh, I... I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, which is where I was born and raised till I graduated from high school and moved to New York City to pursue my dreams. Uh, I love motivating women, especially because of all the things that women go through. Uh, so I, I have a special love for speaking out regarding diversity and inclusion for race as well as size and I'm just thankful to have uh have this conversation with you ladies today thank you we're so so thankful you are here um one thing I just love to know how did you get into modeling and what made you think that that was a path that you wanted to go down what inspired you to do that Ooh, well I think as a little girl my parents sent me to private school and it was a private Christian school, but it was called Monroe Saunders Center for Creative Learning. So they were all about creativity and it just fostered my creativity. I used to design dresses in elementary school, um, color, paint, dance, sing, even if it was off key. Uh, <laughs> I... Um, and 
my mom, when I was little, used to take me to the library and I used to have to get 10 books out for every two weeks. So I would get a mixture of books, but I would also get magazines and I would get like Vogue and Elle and Harper's Bazaar and I would get Brides Magazine. Um, and I feel like that started to foster the dreams of modeling. I also used to watch fashion television uh, to see all the fashion shows. So I grew up seeing Naomi Campbell and Lindy Evangelista and Cindy Crawford, all these models um, sashaying on the runway. And it was really uh, Naomi Campbell and Tyra Banks who really made me feel like I can make a career out of this. But being a pastor's kid, because my parents are pastors back in Baltimore, you know, you're, they always want to protect you and, you know, certain level of modesty as well. And uh, even though I had those dreams, they were like, okay, yeah, we hear you. But uh, it was also in elementary school that my dad had, my dad was running for Congress and he had a photographer come to the house to shoot his campaign brochure. He took pictures of him, took pictures of us as a family. And then he said, do you mind if I take some pictures of your, your youngest daughter by herself? They said, sure. So I'm hamming it up in the camera in front of my dad's big chair. And then he comes back weeks later because this is how it was. Then of course we developing pictures and he came back with this picture of me sitting in my dad's big chair. And he said, you know what? She's really photogenic. You should get her into modeling. And that was the seed that was planted that I always remembered that someone saw me and someone uh, saw my capabilities, who I was and what I was capable of, of doing. And I just always kept that in the, the back or the front of my mind. And I just, I held on to it and did whatever I could to show that I was just always interested in fashion and modeling. And then eventually in high school, they gave me the opportunity to really start to pursue it. So when you had this opportunity to continue to pursue modeling, and I know you moved to New York and that was like a really big deal. That was such a pivotal moment in your life. Were you just absolutely terrified? Like you were leaving Baltimore, you were leaving home to follow your dream. How did that feel? Ooh, well, it felt exhilarating as well as a bit scary at the same time, because I grew up with like on my dad's side, it's West Indian. So it's, you know, you go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you get a degree. And here I am saying, I'm not going to go to college right now. I'm going to go pursue this career that has not been done in my family. And if you think about it, most people, if you said, you know, I'm going to be a full-time YouTuber or a podcaster, or I'm going to be a fashion designer or a painter, especially with creative careers, most families have not seen it done. So it's like, Hmm. Is she really making the right choice? Is she crazy out of her mind? But I'm thankful that I had a father who was a bit of a free spirit to a certain degree that he pushed me into my purpose. He pushed me and gave me the chance to really honor the desire and the purpose that I felt I was born to live. 
And um, although I was a bit scared um, or anxious, I was also excited. And a lot of times we have to use that nervousness, that anxiety, um, that fear to push us forward into our purpose, to push us forward into the, the life that we're supposed to live, the dreams that we're supposed to make happen and become a reality. And I'm glad that I did. Can we talk about um, the conversations you have been raising about diversity in the industry you're in, in fashion, particularly, I think it's bridal um, modeling that you've been speaking about quite a bit. Um, when you came forward and you started those conversations and you initiate those conversations and you stand up for, you know, what's right and what you believe in, in an industry that's, I guess, very, you know, traditionally has big history with, you know, not being inclusive or diverse. What was it like for you to start those conversations? And was there a factor of fear involved when you were, I guess, putting that out there? Well, I think, I think, a lot of times you have to be the the iron hand in the velvet glove. Uh, I know that a lot of people don't necessarily take change so well. It, 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 I felt like I had to do things in, in steps. And the very first step was just showing up and existing in that space. Not necessarily speaking with my words, but speaking with my presence, speaking with my body language, speaking with my blackness. Um, a lot of times being the sole black model or the only plus model at a, um, bridal show or at some type of bridal event or conference, you stand out. But I wanted to show how regal we are, how beautiful we are, how, uh, other people need to see us. And, me just existing in those spaces in the very beginning and just being me, people naturally gravitated towards me. I think not even necessarily because of my, my race, but because of the light within me. And so that produced conversations where it was even, you know, white women who own bridal boutiques who spoke up and said, you know, it's really beautiful to see you in this space because most of the time we don't see plus models. And we, a lot of times we don't see black models and you're just, you know, you're, you're just so regal, so gorgeous and you show the clothes so well. So that was my focus on showing the product so well, cause that's my job as a model first. But um, I loved how it started to open up the door to have these conversations and also to create that type of representation. Uh, I tell people Maggie Sotero, which is the brand I work with um, there in over 60 countries, uh, Maggie Sotero designs. They picked me as a model off of a referral from a bridal boutique. Uh, and they didn't pick me like, oh, we're, we're trying to pick the black girl. They just were picking the person who they felt was great for the job. But even they as a company realized how much, uh, how much it meant to the industry to see someone like me be front and center for a brand because they saw all the, the love and the attention and the, the, the difference in sales. Let's keep it real. Um, selling, um, when you have more stores that are picking up 
different sizes, uh, different sizes in the plus sizes. That's a big deal. And when people are starting to make more money and, you know, I would send them still to this day, I send them comments that I get from different brides or from different stores who say, thank you for making the difference with my store because of the pictures of you. There are brides who have come in who have felt more comfortable about shopping for their wedding dress, or they, they said that they were able to see a piece of themselves because they saw you on the tag for the dress. And, you know, pictures are so important because I forgot the number of pictures that we see in a day, but it's like thousands of pictures that we see within a day. And if we're constantly digesting something and not able to see ourselves, it's a problem. But um, I will say this, during the uprising with Black Lives Matter, it really helped to open up a new space of me being able to be more outspoken, but also vulnerable to the different people within the bridal industry, as well as my own client to say, these are the, some, some of the struggles I've gone through within this industry. This is why representation matters. This is why you should do something for Black History Month. This is why, you know, we need to have some more diversity in size as well as race within the brand or, with, or what we see in magazines. It's so, so important. And I'm, I'm actually thankful for, for the uprising because it created more community and dialogue within all of us to really share our experiences as well as to create a certain level of compassion that really didn't exist. This just truly incredible work that you're doing, Lyris, like having these conversations, being in these spaces, being outspoken in your industry. It's so important. But did you ever have a fear of receiving any backlash for speaking up for for what you believe in, for what you stand for? Were you scared at all? Oh, definitely. Uh, There are times, I mean, even this this year, my mom saw something I was, um, I wanted to talk about regarding race. And my father was a very outspoken uh, politician. He spoke regarding race a lot of times. And my mom said, my mom's fear is, is, you know, I just don't want you to be like your father where you're up here using your voice and speaking out for everyone else. And then when things hit the fan, nobody's really there to back you up or nobody is really um, having your back. And she's like, I just don't want you to fall on the sword by yourself. When you have the, the reach and the visibility that I have, you have to use it productively. And my thing is, if I am to be a disruptor, if I am to be a pioneer, if I am to be a catalyst, I sometimes have to say some of the hard things. I think a lot of times it's not, it's a combination of what you say, but also how you say it. And that's, this is why I'm not big about cancel culture. I'm more about accountability culture about, yes, we did this wrong, but how can we fix it? 
you know, I, I'm one of those people. I don't want to be on Clubhouse, com- you know, complaining about this isn't right and that isn't right. But how can we fix it? OK, this person said or did something wrong. This brand said or did something wrong. How can we fix it? How can we move forward? And that's why I have tried my best to choose my words carefully, but also speak transparently about my experiences. But I'm going to say this, hell yes, (laughs) it has been scary at times to to speak up because, you know, it's like, do I want to be blacklisted? Do I do do these people understand my heart and where I'm coming from and how I just want visibility and equality for myself as well as others. So yes, it could be very, it could be very scary. (laughs) But thankfully I just have a mom who, who looks out for me and loves me and prays for me and covers me because I mean, literally I'm telling you, my mom called me this year and she was like, you, you be careful saying stuff. And I'm like, mom, I'm not even saying anything that, that, Like, this is not that big of a deal. Like, I think it was something about the election with Trump. And she was just like, just please be careful. And I'm like, mom, I got this. On top of the amazing work you've been doing in um, the modeling industry and the bridal industry, you also, you mentioned at the start, you have this amazing book that you've also released. Um, What is something that I kind of took from looking at that is your messages about confidence and about inspiring women to be confident, you know, no matter who they are, whether they're model, whether they're, you know, literally anybody for you, um, yourself, where does your confidence come from? I'm guessing like all of us, some days you wake up and you feel really insecure and really down, and then you might have to go and do a photo shoot where, how do you kind of build yourself up or what's, I guess, your advice for people who maybe also struggle with confidence, um, or insecurity? Oh, great question. When I am feeling low in my confidence take, I do a switch up. I try to focus on the good about me instead of focusing on what I perceive as what's wrong or what's off at that moment. And I will say it out loud, you know, um, you know, let's say I have a big pimple or something, you know, before an interview. Whew, okay, you, you know, you got this big pimple girl, but but your eyes, your eyes are popping. I'm gonna put these lashes on, they're gonna pop even more. Um, your body is looking right in this dress. Um, you know, the fact that you even have this interview or this place to go, that means people are calling your name and they wanna hear your voice and what you have to say. And I try to focus on what's right in that very moment and speak it into existence. Our words are so powerful. We could speak life or we could speak death into ourselves. And when you are feeling kind of like that, that pessimistic feeling about yourself, that's when you have to make a choice. And I, I, I've been speaking about this a lot lately because especially being in this pandemic, we're bombarded with so many negative things on a daily. And I think sometimes we forget that we have a choice in how we react and how we deal with with a lot of things in our lives. So what am I choosing to do? 
Am I choosing to find the gratitude? Am I choosing to find the amazing things about me? Am I choosing to speak life into my, um, my pessimistic situation? Am I focusing on what's wrong or am I going to focus on what's right? And I have to do that even at times with stuff in my career, you know, as a model, we go to castings or we're put on hold for jobs and they don't always book and it can feel like a rejection or a denial. But I have to say, you know, what's meant for me never misses me. And okay, they didn't use me this time, but they're going to use me next time. So I think we just have to be very intentional about um, speaking life into ourselves. I'd be really interested to know, um, how your faith and like your upbringing with your parents being pastors, um, how has that affected the way that you experience or that you handle your emotions? Um, like in particular anger, how do you deal with anger? Um, how much of a part does your faith play in that? Ooh, that was good. Um, hmm. Well, I'll say this. I try my best to not let things spiral out of control with anger because it's going back to remembering if I am a believer uh, of the faith, if I'm Christian, I know that I, I don't want my witness or my um, reputation to be stained by the ramifications of anger. So a lot of times that can help to reel me in. But um, one of the things I do is I pray about it. I'll call up my best friend or one of my good friends and I'll vent and get it out. Because I was one of those people that used to keep everything bottled up and then I would explode. And I had to learn that, you know, um, it's not good. <laughs> and I had to learn to really deal with my emotions. And, and I asked God to give me some clarity on how to deal with that. And I had to, I have to, and I told other people this too, allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel. That doesn't mean act out and, and go nuts either. Um, or meaning like verbally on other people. Um, but, allow yourself to sit in those emotions and feel whatever it needs to, you need to feel. So if I am angry at that moment, I can sometimes go in my room and just be angry. I may play some really hard music because I'm trying to push the anger out of my body. I might go to the gym. I might go for a walk. I may step out on my terrace and scream, whatever it is that I need to do, but this anger, I'm going to feel it and then I'm going to get it out because I, does, I don't want it to change. Um, I don't want it to change my character. I don't want to use it and keep, a, keep it bottled up. And then I say something in error to someone else. And, you know, there are a lot of times when we don't deal with our anger and then we speak to that other person. It creates a domino effect of situations that are just not good. So I definitely uh, seek the face of God, but also um, 
God, I feel like God has to- told me to feel what I need to feel, girl, but sit your tail down and, um, <laughs> and, and, and process it and move forward with it because, you know, that's, that's not me. That's not me. And sometimes when you sit with your anger, you sometimes can find your part and how you contributed to the situation. And it really starts to break up that level of anger that you were feeling like, because sometimes when we're angry, we're putting all of it on the other person instead of looking at what part did I have in this? Is that something that you've learned over time, how you process your emotions, basically, particularly anger? Yes, I feel like one of my great friends, um, Purvis Taylor, he's a life coach. So we have- He came on the podcast. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, we love him. We love him. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, So he's like one of my closest guy friends. Um, so we have like heart to heart conversations. Um, he's given me different cues, um, reading different books, watching different things. I've been an Oprah addict for years. So watching all the different thought leaders she's had from Super Soul Sunday to her different um, live your best life tours, um, you know, to Ayanna Van Zant. There's been so many people that I've been able to learn from in being emotionally intelligent is also putting yourself in the other person's shoes i believe trying to see where they're coming from and um and how they can maybe feel on the other side of the coin so i think with that and um just getting very real with myself accepting the truth of who i am good bad or indifferent that has really helped me to process my emotions um, better and, and move forward to really be the best me that I can be. Considering how awful, I guess, the last year has been for most people, um, what are some things in your life that you do that make you happy? You know, small things, um, we call them like bubbles of happiness that just bring a bit of joy to your day, even if they're just small things you do at home? Oh, I have a, I have a good list of that. Cause like I said, I'm just focusing on the good. Um, I love a cup of coffee. <laughs> I love a really good cup of coffee in the morning. I had one before I started this uh, podcast taping with you all. I love music and you know, I don't, I don't think I'm the best dancer in the world, but I will put on music here in my apartment and I will dance like I am, you know, on stage at, uh, with, with, with Jay-Z or Beyonce, you know, I will, I love to cook it because I love to eat too. <laughs> so um trying different dishes and trying new recipes that makes me feel good uh, sometimes just laying in silence and hearing my thoughts um hearing the world around me hearing my breath to know that I'm alive in this pandemic and I'm still thriving and that I still have purpose in my body um 
going for a walk and just looking around my neighborhood. And um, right now we have snow, but like during the spring and the summer, you know, I used to love to see, you know, the trees and the flowers starting to bud and, and the, or the trees changing color during the fall, just taking it in and knowing that like God is real and that, um, you know, we're all going through these different challenges in the world, but let me just find this, this moment that makes me feel good. Stepping out on my terrace and feeling the sun on my face and basking in the glory of the S-U-N, but also the S-O-N, you know? There are, are so many things to be grateful for. Uh, and I just, I'm telling you, if we could just find a little bit of gratitude every day, I guarantee you it will change the temperature of your life. If you're feeling cold and you're feeling down, find something to smile about. Find that, you know, hey, this person called me and I hadn't spoken to them in months. Or, you know, I got a check in the mail that I, I didn't even expect that was coming. Or, you know, someone sent me uh, some Uber Eats or, you know, the dog, um, my neighbor's dog ran up to me and, and, and licked my shoe, you know, whatever it is, find that gratitude in your life daily, because guess what? You are still here. You still have breath in your body. You still have so much to be thankful for. And you're here because your purpose is not done. Your purpose is not done. So you have to keep pushing forward whether you're depressed, whether you're sad, whether your heart is breaking, just keep pulling yourself up because you are here for a reason and don't you forget that. Your list of gratitudes, Lyris, is honestly, it's it's so beautiful. You've got such a way with words. I feel really inspired to- You do, honestly. <laughs> oh, um, thank you, you. You've mentioned what brings you joy and your love of food and cooking and like family and friends um, and our good friend also Purvis. Um, <laughs> I want to know, I want to know, um, we, we've kind of, we've spoken a bit about love, but what, what love means to you, like- when I say love, what springs to mind? What kind of fills your heart? And it can be anything. Love to me is acceptance. It is loving me in spite of my flaws. Seeing me. Not seeing me as the model lyrist, but just really seeing me as the person lyrist. Uh, love is the forehead kiss, the handshake. It's the, the, you know, the cookie, the last cookie in the pack that you saved me. It is the card that you put in the mail. Love is um, the cup of coffee that you already have for me before I even asked for it because you were just thinking of me and being thoughtful. Love is... And, and love feels like that, that like towel that just got out of the dryer and you just got out the shower and somebody brings it to you. That's how like good love feels. But love also um, 
Love is someone praying for me. Love is someone laughing with me. But love is also someone crying with me. Um, just being there for me and allowing me to completely be myself. I think I have felt the strongest love in my life when, when I'm able to really show all the colors of who I am. And that person loves me regardless, you know, loves me with my hair done, with my, with my hair not done, with the pimple, without the pimple, um, with the, you know, thousand dollar dress on with the $20 sweats on, you know, um, when that person sees me, when my confidence is shaken or when I'm saddened um, and they still love me or when I make a mistake and they forgive me, love is forgiveness too. Love is saying, um, I know you messed up, but I'm giving you another chance. Um, Love is so many things. Love, I feel like, rules my life because love is also like passion and I'm a passionate person and I love extremely hard. When I say I love you, I mean it. And when I mean it, you feel it. And I just love love. Uh, as, a, as such a passionate person, I am desperate to know what one piece of advice from your book make the world your runway what's what's one piece of advice that you want them to remember and to use this in their daily life I'm going to say um I'm actually going to flip in my book right now while I'm talking to you all um I'm gonna read this quick part one thing is about standards and um I was inspired to write this part because of my my sister she's a marriage coach actually and um so here it is. Um, now here's the truth. You will never rise above the standards you set for yourself. My sister always says standards are what you allow. What does that mean? You may, you might say your standard is one thing, but if you allow something else, that's the real standard. I know that this is some, sometimes a hard pill to swallow, but I need you to take a big gulp of water and swallow it. Raise your standards. Refuse to tolerate any area of your life being below the standard of excellence that you desire. This applies to every area of your life. What you tolerate, you will have. Refuse to tolerate the spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical habits that are not taking you where you want to go. Refuse to tolerate relationships that no longer serve you. Refuse to tolerate a workplace situation that is making you sick. Refuse to tolerate victim mentality within yourself. Refuse to tolerate that excess weight that might be killing you. Refuse to tolerate people's constant lack of appreciation or mistreatment of you. Take a stand for yourself. Do something about it. Set high standards. Strengthen your spiritual walk. Elevate your mindset. Create new habits review them and work toward living to be your best self. I'm going to say raise your standards because when we raise our standards, we draw better people, better situations, 
um, better relationships, even with our family members into our lives, because we are creating a standard. It's a way of us pushing ourselves forward. And at other times, it's us being able to protect ourselves from situations that could be to our detriment. So raise your standard. Standards are what you allow. You have a choice in it. So raise your standard. Make the World Your Runway is about pushing people to be their best them, you know, that your best you. I don't need anybody to be the next lyricist. Just go be your best Isabella. Go be your best Daphne. Because when we all work harder on who we are and we truly work within our purpose, that's how we're able to change the world around us. I think um, Isabella said it perfectly earlier when she said, you just have such an amazing way with words. Um, You've just been such a beautiful person to speak to. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you all having me. And as always, p- please follow me on Instagram at Lyric L-I-R-I-S-C. Uh, I have this hashtag on there called Lyric Motivates. Um, and if you ever need any type of motivation, click on the hashtag and you'll see some of the, the motivational quotes or videos that I have posted and as always get a copy of my book make the world your runway thanks for listening to getting personal if you're enjoying our emotional conversations then please give us a like subscribe and don't forget to leave a review it gives us a boost in the charts which helps other listeners to find us and most importantly it's one of our happy little bubbles when we read what you've written so leave us some stars I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing on all Smart Beds. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.